What is going on, guys? It's good to be back. I've taken uh, a bit of a break, you know, taking some time off from all of the little entertaining endeavors that I've been doing. Uh, my YouTube channel, my short story podcast, including this podcast. And I kind of want to get back into it, and I figured what better time to do it than with the release of one of the most, well, probably not the most for a lot of people, one of my most anticipated trailers, because I've been a big advocate for the Schneider Cut for years. And being that it's a real thing, being that everybody thought it wasn't real, and now it's becoming real, I just, I'm overflowed with joy, because this is exactly what I've been wanting, what Thousands of people have been wanting. They want to see what his original view was. They wanted to see what Schneider, what Zack Schneider, the original director, Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs. Superman, what else has he been behind? 300, um, uh, Sucker Punch. He's he's done a lot of work, and he definitely has a very particular view and a very particular directing style, and he brought that to the table with the DC films. If they just kind of let him do his thing... And this is one of the biggest issues with Warner Brothers. They want to meddle too much. They want to get too involved in everything. And what happens is, you get too involved, you don't let the person with the vision build upon that vision, and then you get shit products. You get stuff that people don't find as good because you're trying too hard. I know that when, um, what's this guy's name? Rob Zombie. This doesn't have anything to do with, say, Warner Brothers or even Marvel or anything like that. But Rob Zombie on the Joe Rogan podcast once said that when filming a certain movie, he didn't say the movie's name, but he was filming a movie and the studio was trying to meddle in the process so much that he he quit. He stopped doing the film. He didn't want to do it anymore. Because they would be things that were so crazy. It would get to the point where whatever the hit film was that weekend, an executive from the company would come in and be like, you got to put this in the movie because this is what's big right now. And he's like, "That's that doesn't make any sense. And one of the examples he gives is during this film, it was it was in the 90s because this is going to you know show my age as well. In the 90s, there was a film that came out with Howard Stern. It was called Private Parts. That film had just released. It was a hit for that time per- for that time period. An executive came in when Rob Zombie was working on this other film. It was still in production. He was in the midst of filming. This fi- this film with Howard Stern came out. They went in and told Rob Zombie, "You got to get Howard Stern in this film." And he's like, "That doesn't make any sense." That's just, why are you making me do that? Because executives, board members, these companies, they care about the money. They don't care about the product. And that's one of the biggest difference between what is happening with Warner Brothers films and what's happening with, say, Disney's films. The reason why Marvel is so successful isn't because of a budget. It isn't because of the characters. It's because Disney said, here, Kevin Feige, take this run the studio. He's the leader of that studio. I don't know off the top of my head um, if he's actually had much to do with any of the actual uh, production or directions of where the films are going, but he's he sits in a room with every writer and every director, and he's like, all of this has to make sense. It's not about the money. It's about the story. These things have to be made. Like, a lot of people argue whether or not Thor was the Thor movies are good. I personally love all three Thor movies, including the second one, which is a lot more dimmer, 
than, say, the last one, Thor Ragnarok, or even Dimmer from the other films. But the thing is, is that that makes sense to the Thor character, and they need that movie because it sets up one of the Infinity Stones. They think of the long run, and they don't have anybody that comes in and says, no, that doesn't make sense. Even if you had an, exec- an executive from Disney who came in and said, Thor, um, what was the name of the second one? Thor The Dark World. They did a screening. That executive goes to Kevin Feige and says, listen, this movie sucks. Kevin Feige is going to be like, doesn't matter, has to happen. And Disney's going to let it run because they let him run the show. Warner Brothers doesn't let the people they put in charge of these things run the show. They have too much to say. They get too involved because they want to chase the money. They don't want to chase where the money could come. They want to chase where the money already is. Another big example of that is the Suicide Squad. Another big thing that's coming up with this whole release, the Schneider Cut, is the release, the Ayer Cut. David Ayer, who was the um, uh, the director of the first Suicide Squad, you can look these things up and see all of the issues that was around, surrounding Suicide Squad too. Jared Leto came out and said, "Listen, you guys really screwed me over. I did so much filming for this film, and you used." None of it. They use ten percent of all the film. They get there's apparently so much Joker footage from Jared Leto's Joker for Suicide Squad that they could make a separate Joker film. That's what happens when they get too involved. What happened there? Guardians of the Galaxy came out and it was a huge success. They went in and told these people, "You have to make Suicide Squad like Guardians of the Galaxy." And that doesn't make any sense. You can see the progress in not only just the marketing, but also in like the um, the promotional stuff that they put out. It got it was changing more and more as it progressed closer and closer to the film. And we're talking about a movie that's about the bad guys. How are you supposed to make the movie about the bad guys look and feel like a buddy cop film? Don't get me wrong. What came out? was relatively worth it. It wasn't a bad story. It was, you know, kind of enjoyable. You know, but there's definitely something else out there that gives more to what the original vision was. And if Warner Brothers didn't get involved, you wouldn't have that issue. You wouldn't have people screaming for what could have been. And that's what we're screaming for for the, um, the Schneider Cut. And now that HBO has taken over that idea and said, you know what, Zach, you have this? We want you to put it out. And we're finally getting it. It's five years later, and we're getting to see what the original vision was. What the culmination of his vision was meant to be when it went from uh, Man of Steel to Batman vs. Superman to Justice Sleep. We're finally getting to see where his vision of the story was going to end. He was only meant to do those three films, from what I can remember. And being that whatever happened, happened, and he got, you know... (sighs) I mean, again, I don't want to say kicked out. I do feel like it was a kicked out kind of thing, or it was like a, it just so happened that something really... You see, because most of the time, if something really bad happens during production, people don't really get kicked out of produ- producing anything, and they don't really get taken out of their positions. So I feel like something very tragically did happen to him, and then the studio saw that as an opportunity to say, okay, let's get Zack out of the way, and let's put somebody else who we think is going to do better at this film. And I've been reading a lot of articles about 
um, interviews that he's been going on and everything. Like Zach goes on record saying that uh, the 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 most controversial scene in Batman vs Superman, the Martha scene, as many jokes has been said about it, as many parodies have been used, all the memes and all the uh, gifts of making fun of it, whether you're for it or you're against it. Zach is still very for that. He thinks it's the um, the, the most crucial point of that film, and he stands by it to this day. When, ha- when what happened to Zach happened, and he had to step down, and they pulled in Josh Whedon, and he was... Zach was 80% done with this film. Josh Whedon came in and redid almost all of it. From what I've read, maybe they used like 25 to 30% of what Zach originally had filmed, and Josh came in and changed the whole thing. Now, everybody knows what's going on with Josh Whedon. I personally don't care. I think... The guy is a little overrated. I get that sometimes what he does works and it's very enjoyable. I know there's a lot of Buffy the Vampire fans out there. I know there's a lot of people who have followed his work for years and have been very prominent about what he can put out there. But he's got a lot of stuff happening right now that's really not making him look like the best dude in the world. And one of the stories that really sticks out to me is while filming that, not even just the Ray Fisher stuff, but one of the things that... um, uh, Kel Gagat said was during filming there's this scene you've, you've probably heard about this scene where they're fighting in the tunnel they're fighting Stephen Wolf for the first time in the tunnel there's meant to be a whole bunch of debris that's meant to fall down on Wonder Woman but and like crush her but Flash sees it and runs to like push her out of the way I don't know if that was a part of the original Zack um, filming or whatever but the scene that Josh Whedon wanted he wanted um, flash to fall on top of Wonder Woman and it kind of be like one of those awkward things, you know? Something that they've done a couple of times in Marvel films. And I know Josh Whedon has had a lot to do with uh, certain Marvel films as well. So you've seen that. It's kind of like a movie trope, like a typical thing. It doesn't really come off as being innovative. Maybe it fits for the scene. But Cal was very against that. Cal wanted nothing to do with that scene. And if you watch that film, and she says in an interview, it's a body double. There's a body double that finishes that scene, and then she comes back in the next two or three cuts, and it's her face again. You could see it in the actual film. When Flash lands on top of Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's face is away from the camera. Because it's a body double. Cal Geiger wanted nothing to do with that scene. I don't know if I've heard anything about um, Ezra Miller, uh, how he feels about any of that stuff or his views or whatnot. I think him and um, Jason Moma are the only two that haven't really said anything real negative about Josh Whedon. But I do know that Jason Moa, um, he supports Ray Fisher and what Ray Fisher has been going through and speaking out against Josh Whedon. What I do understand though as well from reading all of these um articles that i've been reading zach has never seen the justice league he apparently never bothered with watching it when it was released when it was released christopher nolan who was an executive producer on that film by the way christopher nolan he went with zach's wife zach's wife is a big uh, she plays a big role in like Zach's life. Like I think like he, uh, I forget what they say. It's like a, uh, another producer of like anything he does, she's involved in. So like he's the director, she produces in some way, shape, or form. I forget what they actually what her actual role is. But his wife and Christopher Nolan went to go see the Justice League film. When they were done, they went to Zach and they told him, "You must never watch this movie." 
and he's never seen it. He's never bothered to actually sit down and watch and see what actually became of the film he started. And Christopher Nolan said himself, do not watch this movie, you will be disappointed. You can find that article out there. It's out there. I think it's from uh, um, Buzzwire or something. I forget where I said it. it was on my... Um, my Google feed because I've been, you know, looking these things up because I'm excited because this is what I wanted. And when we got the trailer, not only did we get to see what the, I mean, when you look at that trailer and you go back to the other original trailers before Josh got involved, you can see where it was going. You can see that had a certain undertone. You could tell it was a Zack Snyder film. You knew what you were getting into. Once the production changed and everything, and we got this film, you know, you look back at those old trailers and you go, man, what could have been? And now we have this trailer, and it's almost like rewatching those, but we're also seeing stuff that we have already seen and a lot of stuff we haven't seen. We're seeing a lot of the dark side that's meant to get involved because all that filming was already taken care of. We've seen the actor who came out and said, yeah, I was casted as dark side. And you don't see him anywhere in this film. You see, there's videos out there showing the side-by-side comparison of scenes with Steppenwolf and scenes with them fighting at the end of the film. And you can see how big of a difference there is. And how one of the biggest issues with Justice League is that it just... It's so separate from what the other two films leading up to it... Like, the tone they set, this is nothing like that. It, it When you change tones mid-trilogy... You know, it's never a good thing. I I can easily relate that to video games that I love and enjoy. Anybody who knows, like, who's big into the video game scene, there's a video game series called Dead Space. The first film, uh, the first game is fantastic. Dead Space 2, even better with very minor changes. By Dead Space 3, the production company got so involved that they diluted what was so good that made the first two so successful. And then it it was a flop. That's what happened here. You're changing what made everybody want to see this. You're changing the tone of what was originally set by the person who was involved from the very beginning. If, what else can I relate this to? Let's think of another trilogy. If, say, in The Lord of the Rings, if it was the director it was for the first film, the director it was for the second film, it was the same director, and then out of nowhere, friggin'... Christopher Nolan came in and started directing the third film and changed the vision, changed what was set up from everything in the first two films. You are not going to understand what's happening. It's not going to make any sense. And when they did that, when Warner Brothers did that to the Justice League film, they set it up for failure. And finally, HBO has come out and given Zack. Zack Schneider now has the opportunity to show us what his original vision was. And not only does he get that, but he gets it on a streaming platform where he doesn't have these restrictions. In these articles that I've read, he said flat out, like, they wanted me to make a two-hour movie. How am I supposed to tell a compelling and legitimate story of six superheroes in two hours and give them all the appropriate amount of time that they need? So from what what I know, from what I'm reading... This series that they're releasing, the Zack Snyder Cut, is apparently meant to be a four-hour-long episodic type of um, release. I don't know if the episode thing is true. Maybe it's just a four-hour film, which isn't shocking whatsoever. The thing is, is that if you follow a lot of Zack Snyder's work, like Watchmen, 
when he did Watchmen, the original film, is about two hours, two hours, 20 minutes. But if you get the director's cut, Watchmen is almost four hours long. And you get to see all of the stuff that they took out and how it adds to the story as well. So being that they were trying to restrict him in that respect, now he has this platform that's allowing him to say, show us what you wanted to do. And we're going to get that, and we're getting it very soon. And the trailer just came out a week ago, and it's got so much in it that makes you so helpful. Like, not only is he involving stuff that he filmed for Justice League, he's involving stuff that he filmed for Batman vs. Superman. I cannot wait to see what the original vi- what the original vision this man had for this series. I, th- there's a, you know... From being a comic book fan and being a superhero fan, when you watch the first Avenger film, I remember sitting in the theater watching the first Avenger film, and you see the three of them standing on screen for the same time, at the same time for the first time. Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. You see them when they're in the forest, and uh, Captain America just broke up the fight that Iron Man and Thor are having. You see the three of them standing there, you go, holy shit, this is real. We have a live-action version of these three behemoths in the Marvel Universe on screen at the exact same time. When you watch Batman vs. Superman and you see Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman all standing together, the fucking Trinity, you get... If you're not a DC fan, you're not going to really understand it. If you're a Batman fan, you'll get it. If you're a Superman fan, you'll get it. You have to have that, it's that same feeling. You have to have that kind of angst where it's like, I cannot believe I'm watching this. I cannot believe in my lifetime this is real. That you get to see the three of them standing there in such a legitimate kind of scenario where it it all makes sense and it's beautiful to see unfold. I am looking forward to what the original vision for these films that... Zack Snyder had. I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. I've watched all of his movies. You know, hit or miss, you know, critically acclaimed, not critically acclaimed, bombs or flops. Say what you want. He has a vision. He creates these projects, these these films he makes. He creates them with his mark on it. You can watch a Zack Snyder film and you know for 100% fact it's a Zack Snyder film. I follow him because I like his style. I want to see more of that in this film, and I hope I do get to see it. It looks like we're going to get to see it. It looks like we're going to get to see a lot. One thing I do want is I want them to address further the seven, because everybody knows the Justice League is originally a seven superhero team to start. It eventually grows and changes over time, but it's always seven. One of the first big promotional pieces when Justice League was coming out was a poster of Jason Moa as Aquaman, and it said, Unite the Seven. I've read that that was um, really fast marketing, and they didn't really have the okay to have seven characters, and because they didn't have the okay to have seven characters, or the budget to have seven characters, they eventually took it out. But apparently there is still some hints. You know, people are talking um, Martian Manhunter is meant to somehow get involved in some way, and he was kind of set up in uh, one of the previous films. I've read those um, theories. I have a theory when you watch one of the first um, Justice League trailers, this is where my theory comes from, one of the first Justice League trailers, there's a scene at the very end of the trailer where um, Alfred is fixing the car, and then like things start to rumble, and he looks up and he sees a character. 
I do know now that like the character was meant to be Superman in a way, but I do remember watching that and seeing like the kind of reflection in Alfred's eyes, and it looked kind of green to me. So I thought that was them hinting at a Green Lantern because they already hinted at him in uh, in the flashback of the original battle with Darkseid. When Stephen Wolf first came and the, the humans and the Amazonians, that huge battle to separate the mother boxes, you see Green Lantern there. He dies and the ring flies off. I don't know if that was in Zack's original script or if that was a Josh Whedon thing, but they've established that Green Lantern does exist and they're not trying to build him up. He already exists in that universe. Whoever gets the ring now, you know, whoever their Green Lantern would be, you know, I would just love to see that as well. I would deal with that. I would take Martian Manhunter. I'll take any seventh if you really were going to go through with that. If the, if the case is that it was just poor marketing and they got things out for marketing before they actually got the okay for a seventh, okay, that's fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the original six. I just, I want to see what he had in mind. I want to see what he was going to create. I want to see black suit Superman. I want to see the darker, like, tones. I want to see the more vicious looking Stephen Wolf. I want to see Darkseid. I want this four-hour epic tale that I was hoping for, that everybody who loved Man of Steel, who lo- who appreciated Batman versus Superman, I don't think everybody loved it, but who appreciated it, I know they want to see it. And I'm so happy we're finally getting to see it. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait. It's so close. It's a couple of weeks away. I'm actually considering signing up for HBO Max because of it. I don't have HBO Max right now because a lot of that stuff you can get uh, elsewhere or I already have, but I have looked at their catalog and they're doing great. And what I think they really should do is they need to emphasize on this and open up more into this. If this is as successful as they think it's going to be, which I think it's going to be hugely successful, I think this opens up the door to do more like this. Instead of just the releasing film uh, in theater, you give the person this episodic kind of outlay where whatever their movie plan is moving forward, they now have more time. So you, they aren't they aren't crunched for time to get a story across in two in two hours and basically 120 minutes. You now give them this platform where you want to bring more people and they want to bring more people into signing up for an HBO Max subscription. And this is a perfect gateway to that because one of the big gateways for Disney Plus is Star Wars. I'd love to say that it is Marvel, but Marvel only just recently started doing the show thing. Like Mandalorian was a huge thing from when uh, Disney Plus first came out. So Star Wars is the big hit for Disney Plus. They have to take advantage of this. And if it's as successful as I think it's going to be, I think we're going to have a lot more not only releases like this, but a lot more opportunities for more live-action DC films that will actually be given further opportunities to actually tell the stories they're meant to portray. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I don't know if you guys even you know are interested in what the Justice League has to offer when it comes to Schneider's original vision. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But either way, thank you guys for listening. I do hope you enjoyed this entry. Uh, I'm going to do another one uh, probably in a day or so about the Mortal Kombat trailer as well. And I'm probably going to get back into it with um, some other movies and TV shows that I've been watching over the last couple of weeks. And you'll see a lot more content coming moving forward. Thank you again for all your loyal support. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next one.